Do you ever constantly feel like you're falling behind and can never catch up and the stress and anxiety are taking over? Are you used to being productive and efficient, but lately you've been feeling sluggish and unable to stay focused for more than a few minutes at a time? Looking for an alternate choice to cut back on those energy drinks and giant cups of coffee? Then we've got the choice for you. Try Neuro. Neuro is a brand of gum and mints used to energize, calm, and focus whenever you need it. Neuro was developed by former athletes training at the highest level who didn't want to take mysterious supplements or energy drinks when studying, training, or going out. Instead of something sugary and ineffective, they wanted to create clean, balanced energy that could be taken anywhere, anytime. With thoughtfully curated ingredients and endless lab testing means that you can reach the right state of mind safely and consistently. Get that clean burst of energy and focus without the effects of coffee or energy drinks. It's a smart way to fuel body and mind. Stay in the zone, avoid the jitters, and crashing. Our listeners will get an automatic discount of up to 20% off on any gum or mint products using our link, tryneurogum.com slash potential. That's tryneurogum.com slash potential. Once again, that's tryneurogum.com slash potential. Order now. Get that clean burst of energy and focus. And remember, know your potential. Reviewing the latest in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello and welcome back to a special edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. I'm joined by my fellow Rebels, my co-host, Taylor Sokol. And as always, for our Star Wars theme episodes, we have our special guest, Tim Fitzsimons. Our Jedi Master of Knowledge and Fandom is back to review the latest television miniseries on Disney Plus uh, Lucasfilm here. We have Ahsoka. Uh, This, of course, was created by Dave Filoni coming on Disney Plus. And uh, this is our newest series you know we had obi-wan earlier we had andor but we been waiting for ahsoka starring of course rosario dawson in the role of ahsoka and uh the teases of what's to come especially knowing now that we have this big heir to the empire style uh movie that uh, dave filoni will be directing which is uh pretty exciting so obviously if you haven't watched ahsoka and all eight episodes we will be talking about spoilers spoiler warning there it is. There's your warning. So, uh, yeah, let's see here. Uh, welcome, Tim. Good to see you as always. Yeah, good to have um, you back, buddy. Good to see you, gents, as well. You you are the guy that, of the three of us, has seen Clone Wars and Rebels, you know, I guess you could say the most, and Taylor is now getting into that and, and done that. I have yet to do that. That's my homework. I'm going to get on at some point. <laughs> but but, yeah. just but you have a unique now. position, uh, which is great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know some things. And <laughs> with Ahsoka being brought up in Mando season two and having this more adult version, I guess you could say, of Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts going into the series of, OK, now we're having a story that's really centered on her character. But knowing that this really is being teased as like this, like secret next season of Rebels, really from Dave Filoni's point of view. 
Um, I my excitement was extremely high, uh, mainly because when they cast Rosario Dawson um, as Ahsoka, which you know at some point was I think Kevin Smith was on the San Diego Comic Con boat and was like, who should we cast as Ahsoka? And somebody from like the shore yelled Rosario Dawson, and he was like, yes, hundred percent fan cast right there. And then it happened um, with her body of work, her like recently in the Marvel shows like Daredevil and uh, Luke Cage and, and whatnot, but also just looking at her body of work since, you know, her, for over her career, I was very excited for her portrayal. And then when we got those, those little episodes and season in Mando and everything really enjoyed seeing her like interact with Luke. And I felt that she really hit she really hit a great level of where Ahsoka would be at that time, which is very much uh, in like kind of what, what, what many would call gray Jedi area. Um, and then, then adding on to the fact, adding on to this, this is a character that Dave Filoni created with George Lucas during the clone, like for that cl original clone wars movie and then into the TV show. And to see where it has progressed from that point under Dave's tutelage. He's never let her go. He has protected her on all fronts and seeing how he was, he's able to transition into live action directing and bringing her to the screen. I, I, I was super excited. I thought that they had cast it well and it was going to be a, going to be a hell of a good time. Yeah. I think especially to something that as star Wars fans, we all just can admit it. We we watch Star Wars for many things, but one thing that always is going to be tipped up a little more than other things is lightsabers. We all lightsabers. We just love lightsabers. And we, you know, Obi-Wan had some good moments. It had some good moments, but we were thinking, well, that solo episode in season two of Mando with Ahsoka was a very like one of the best ones of that season. And I was like, I think there's going to be high expectation of also like her status as a warrior and now also in a mentor role herself, you know, obviously for those who know the backstory, she was Anakin's Padawan and that's a whole lot of story there. But now for her to kind of take on a role where she is now the, the master and, you know, kind of this crew taking on this mission and knowing that we, we have this looming big threat that has been teased and will definitely be a great way to kind of tie the, empire to probably at some point we're going to hear like what should we call this new uh this new uh group i think we should call it the first order you know it's definitely going to happen at some point they're going to tie it all to the new uh the new sequel movies but taylor what was your first kind of a uh, you know feelings when you started watching the show first off i love there was eight episodes yeah we've had so many of these six episode things with, with both star wars and marvel and sometimes even six episodes feels like, ah, we probably could have stretched out and done two more. And I actually thought this was the perfect length for this series. I thought they did a good amount. Although I'm going to have some thoughts about the finale episode that I think almost feels like it's not a finale episode. Uh, that's my own personal take. But what are your thoughts on Ahsoka so far? I mean, you know, when it came to watching the show, the production value, the casting, like, you know, how did it fare for you actually getting into it? Well, I would say, yeah, you brought up this earlier. Before this came out, I decided um, I want to go and get as much backstory as possible. So I binged all of Clone Wars and then all of Rebels. And I was really kind of hesitant to do that because 
Star Wars for me is always live action or or is video games or the books. But I, you know, that'll be another story for another time. But I would say within the connective tissue of all the backstory with Mando, with Clone Wars and Rebels, I was very psyched to see how they were going to translate all this and how it was going to connect it. Um, Filoni himself had kind of joked and saying, this is like Rebels uh, season five. So it is kind of a continuation of that. But I was very excited to see what they were going to do with it, especially as we, we kind of talked about for those of uh, those have are very versed into the legends as it's called, but all of the, the novels of star Wars heir to the empire was something that I really enjoyed uh, growing up and kind of learning about Thrawn. So I was excited about, Ooh, we get like a, a really good villain where I think the sequel trilogy didn't really have a strong uh, villain uh, in terms of like the overarching bad guy. So I was very excited about this. The previews looked amazing. The casting, I mean, everyone, I was obviously Ray Stevenson's one of my favorite uh, actors. And to see him, uh, we've got, you know, a lot of the cast who did the voices of these characters too, you know, from Clancy Brown to Lars Mikkelsen. It was really cool to have them come back and kind of have that continuity. So I, my expectations are probably higher than even Obi-Wan uh, at this point. Yeah, I, I would agree with you in that. My expectations as someone who has not seen Clone Wars or Rebels, but has definitely heard of Thrawn and has recognized that name as, okay, there was this, you know, other, you know, very uh, strong, intelligent leader within the remnants of the Empire that could be someone that could be brought to live action um, and obviously was a, a great villain for the Rebels. Having Lars Middleson cast, obviously, it's very exciting because he got to do the voice role, and that's very rare. Um, you know, even with people that are fans of the original voice actress for Ahsoka, clearly, it's 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 always a case where if it works out, it works out. But it's a very different medium to be a live action actor compared to um, a voice actor. So it's fascinating that we they got Lars Middleson, and that was the big draw for me for this series. I like Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka. It's not necessarily like my favorite Star Wars character. I like the character, but the draw for me was how are they going to pull Thrawn almost out of thin air for someone who doesn't know really the backstory and really what is going to be the big thing that he does to potentially lead to a movie? Because we've had now three seasons of Mando, a season of Book of Boba Fett. This is Ahsoka's first season. I hope she gets another we have skeleton crew coming up. You know, we've had these shows, but like to them to now branch to, we're going to have this big kind of movie that kind of finalizes all these stories. You got to have a pretty big villain to like make it worthwhile. And we've all kind of discussed when we talked about Mando season three, we're not all convinced either that Moff Gideon is actually gone. Um, for those listening, take note of the mustache that was a uh, present, <laughs> not present in the final episode of Mando season three. Hashtag mustache gate. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of like the idea of like, oh, if they're pulling a villain for Ahsoka's kind of crew as some kind of arc for her to have to deal with, and maybe Moff Gideon, who also was teasing in the end of Mando season three, like, what, Thrawn's still out there? Who cares about him? I can run things way better than him. I also like the draw of potentially having these Imperial remnants who are also arguing and like, no, I can run things better because I should. So I hope that's kind of the case we're going to get. I will say I wasn't disappointed with Lars in this. I think, you know, he is, he's not a young guy by any means, 
but with the blue and everything, he looked good. And I thought they did a great job of really setting the tone of like when they, they got to that planet. I mean, obviously the whole kind of case of this is, oh, maybe we can go find Ezra, but that also would mean finding Thrawn. It's double-edged sword. It's like, I'd like to find my friend, but also I might find this, if he's still alive, this enemy. I think all of us could agree something that was unique about this series that I, I've been kind of missing from Star Wars and even with the sequel trilogy, this really pulled a lot from like fantasy and like legends. Like I got a lot of King Arthur kind of vibes and that really was what made the series unique to me. It was like, yeah, this is still Star Wars. There's still ship battles. There's still droids. But there was something a little more like epic when it came to like, like especially with our two, I guess you could say they're they're dark force users. I guess if you want, I don't know. I, it's kind of hard to explain it. Where they're you know they're kind of dark Jedi, but Ray Stevenson's character and his apprentice were fascinating characters to me that didn't really get their due by the end. And I don't mean like they should die. They kind of were left off the page by the last episode, which is disappointing to me, but that was a fascinating character to have someone that is doing what he's doing for his reasons, but he has a code. He has ethics. He's like, I really want to want to kill Ahsoka because there are so far, you know, a few Jedi left. It's, it'd be kind of a pity it was a fascinating character to me, you know. Very different antagonist with with uh, Ray Stevens' character and Lars Thrawn. Very different than we've had in the, a lot of the live action where there are much different types of villains compared to a Darth Vader or Emperor. And I think that's what, whether you're a, a fan or whether, Tim, like Tim, who's seen everything, um, I think you can really appreciate what they did for those characters. And I think that's what set this series up so much differently than what we've seen before yeah absolutely i mean with darth vader in the original trilogy i mean he's evil from the outset evil he's the bad guy and then you find and then you learn the nuance of his character in uh empire and then in return of the jedi and then further explain in the prequel trilogy versus um they did a really good job of making these characters complex from the outset and like uh, Chris, you were saying with the fantasy elements, I mean, really digging back to what what the force is. The force is a very is mystical. It's it's not science. And so the yeah, we I agree with you, actually, like we've been missing a bit of a fantasy element in this fantasy space opera that was started in 19 that first came out in 77. So um, I felt that loved Ray Stevenson, loved um the actress who played uh, Shin as well. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Um, Ivana Sokno. I'm probably pronouncing I, that last name wrong, but she was fantastic. Yeah, bo- both were yeah. really good. And especially because as you're learning, it's like, no, they're not really evil. They're following a different path because he, the Jedi Order is gone. And he, it, it's, I would put Ray, like Ray, uh, 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 Balin Skull, Ray Stevenson's character, closer to like, what um Qui-Gon Jinn or Count Dooku honestly were before Dooku officially went over to like the dark side and became um Darth Tyrannus in that you know and I I think I saw it somewhere but it's like Qui-Gon is like on the lighter side of the middle and Balin Skull's on the darker side of the middle but they're not but they're you know much more of a central centrist type of Jedi 
but still leaning in kind of in one direction. Yeah, because even like when he, he fought Ahsoka a few times within the series, and every time they did fight, it never felt like he was trying to kill her. It yeah. was just trying to feel like he was trying to best her. And yes. in a way, he almost... It's almost like, if you wanted to die, I could kill you. It was very very similar to the, um, if you think the Princess Bride kind of sword fights, yeah. where it's like, we're pretty evenly matched, but if I want to kill I, you, I could, I could I do could. it. Especially because I, just... I feel like they've been missing kind of a challenge, if you will. Like, yeah. he's been training this apprentice and, you know, having then the duality of you know, Ahsoka mentoring Sabine. It's also like the apprentice, the apprentices, you know, the dark and light side. It also felt again, like they weren't really aiming to kill each other, but yeah. you know, there was this kind of common goal. Of, we need to get to this place and we have our reasons for getting there. I want to go to find my friend who's been missing. And for them, it's like, we want to try to find this leader that hopefully can restore balance to, you know, what they believe is order in the galaxy. So mm-hmm. I love that kind of idea. And then you have this whole other element that we've never really had before in Star Wars of witchcraft, which was very fascinating to me because again, I'm like, well, I mean, you as a, as a normal person, I guess, in a world where people could actually use telekinesis and stuff, people would see that as like a form of witchcraft. So like, I was like, it kind of makes sense if there's force users there could be some form of like ancient witchcraft somewhere. So I thought it was fascinating. Kind of reminded me of a little bit of Macbeth going on here with like the three witches, like yeah. out on this planet. And they have these like weird red laser, like balls. And they have like all this kind of stuff. And then having, of course, Morgan who was introduced in season two of Mando as well. And she's been on the hunt for Thrawn. Her now having this like kind of cool, witch blade thing and you know she's getting out the dark witch powers and so that was also very cool to like we have this old dothamir storyline going on with that and i was like mm-hmm. that's another very fantasy element to have this other but also mixed with thrawn like even thrawn who would always be someone in my mind for my you know brief knowledge of the character is always looking for the most logical tactic to do whatever he needs to do yeah even he's like I've been stuck on this planet for, you know, 10 years. I'm going to be pulling some magic too. Like if I need to, you know, look to another, you know, even if he's someone that maybe he's, he's using what he has. And so I like that we have now a tactical leader. We have this kind of dark magic. Balin and his apprentice are still out there. Obviously. Yes. We're all very sad to hear that Ray Stevenson passed. It was very, you know, he was still so young. It was like, didn't he die? Like he was like 60 or something. I think he was in his, yeah, early 60s or late 50s. Yeah, Yeah, very young, you know, realistically. And now this is, again, always comes that question we've seen in other franchises where his story was so set up and even by the end that they'd have to recast him. Like they have to recast that character. I think it's an honor to Ray because he was so great in this role. But I'm curious to like where where is that whole plot gonna go of what he what his whole mm-hmm. kind of what he was seeking by the end, um, which I think could also play into. I've I've been reading a lot of like fan theories and you know different things about how there could be a whole kind of dark god kind of thing that he's you know seeking. And again, there the I kind of like the idea of taking Star Wars and making it like there's bigger stuff out there than even what we expected, such mm-hmm. as the very fascinating episode where. We thought Ahsoka died, but she went to the world between worlds, which was 
I I had really no knowledge of this whole thing. Yeah. But I love seeing Hayden Christensen. You know, I I think for us three, we're we're such like we'll never like really be like we didn't like Hayden Christensen's Anakin Skywalker because he was our he was our Luke in the nineties. Like that was our Star Wars that came out. And I'm like, I'll defend Hayden Christensen. For my entire life, and so I love that he's getting all these moments. Well, we didn't hate him; we just hated the, some of the dialogue choices of those movies. Like, we hated, was, yeah, we hated George's and, writing, and, but and the direction of yeah said movies. Now, do you feel? I, I've seen some stuff on this. So I want to get you guys' opinion. Did you feel the inclusion of him in this kind of world between worlds and this cool kind of like we get these cool flashback scenes to the Clone Wars, and that obviously was much probably a big dream for Dave Filoni to have some kind of filmed scene of that from his baby, you know, do you feel realistically that whole inclusion of him and even like the last image of him at the very tail end of the final episode, did you feel like that whole storyline actually paid off at all for Ahsoka's character for the rest of the series? Or is this something that's going to pay off later? Cause I saw, I saw some stuff about like when they were dueling in this kind of dream world, there was even times where her eyes went a little red as if like, maybe she would turn to the dark side. But I, I, I do kind of agree, like, it was a cool moment, and I love seeing Hayden Christensen, of course, but, like, did it actually do anything for her character for the, then the second half of the of this eight episodes? Mm. know you just you can't assume that things are going to go wrong just because they've gone wrong in the past like you need to just be present and understand that things happen and you move on and all and to stick with her tribe stick with her people with her um apprentice i also think that it is going to pay off in the long term with um what you were kind of talking about with what um Balin Skull is looking for and that giant statue at the end. Those um are the Mortis gods of mm-hmm. the Force, which I, I I know Chris, you have not watched Clone Wars or Rebels, so you're much less familiar. Taylor, you have just finished watching them, so you have seen the episode arc where Anakin and Ahsoka and Obi-Wan go to Mortis and meet them. And it effectively reinforces the idea that Anakin is the chosen one and he will bring balance kind of that you know one of the ways mm. that dave and george brought you know reinforced the idea that look anakin is the chosen one um and i basically he is going to represent them even as a force ghost and that's what he's representing there because he was flipping back and forth between light side dark side light side dark side keeping that balance to prove the point to teach the lesson um so in the short term, it helped Ahsoka to go after Sabine, understand that Sabine is who she is, and she just has to accept that. But in the long term, there's with um, Balin Skull's character and his looking for, I assume, are the Mortis gods or something, some remnant of them. Anakin will come back into play again mm-hmm. um, with regards to his journey. Okay, cool. Which that that's exciting, you know, that's exciting to have something. To like, and again, there's potential for this series to get a second season. We obviously, I don't know how many things they want to put out prior to the movie. 
So, you know, we'll have to kind of wait and see. But I like the idea of having a kind of a journey for that. But I mean, even I, for having, you know, brief moments of like what you see in the prequel trilogy, what you see in some of the video games, that whole scene with like Anakin and um, the younger version of Ahsoka, who was just in the Barbie movie. Uh, and and Avengers Endgame. Or oh, yeah. War. Yep. Young Gamora. Ariana Greenblatt. Um, yeah. Was like, I just love the imagery of that. It was so cool. Um, now, of course, for both of you having seen Clone Wars and Rebels, there's always been the talk of, is Ezra still alive? Is he still out there? Where is he? Well, he was far, we far finally away. get that answer. How did it feel for you guys? <laughs> so not only, yeah, he's far, far away. Um, <laughs> We do have uh, Iman Esfandi, who uh, plays our older version here. Ezra, how did it feel to kind of get that reunion moment for you know fans? And we don't get to see him do a whole lot. We get a little lightsaber action, some cool stuff in the finale. But I'm sure there's going to be a lot more uh, with him moving forward. But how did it feel to kind of have that whole reunion for that character? It was It was really cool. I mean, for having just freshly watched Rebels, and what they do with this kind of character and what he sacrifices to end up um, to try to put away Thrawn. Um, it's really, really refreshing to have, um, to see him. And I thought the, again, casting for, for him and all the casting for these characters from Rebels and Clone Wars was really well done. I was really excited to see him. Although, you know, like you said, eight episodes, it does leave you a lot of wanting more, which I think you want in a show, not like, okay, you're restoring, you're welcome. True, true. Yeah, and and the other castings of this with Mary Elizabeth Winstead um, as Hera. David Tennant. David Tennant, yeah, David Tennant Yang, coming back like, for Hu Yang. Being able to cross that border. I mean, then, oh, like you said so earlier, uh, Taylor, with Clancy Brown coming back in to be um, uh, the, guy, the mayor of Lothal or the governor of Lothal and... Um, and just the way that they were able to make this make this live action work with these characters, and especially because Taylor, you watched the recently Rebels, you understand how much of a family that crew was on the Ghost, and to then you know have Ezra finally come back and to see Hera again, um, and her just like look of relief and and everything like that is just so was so well done the way that mary elizabeth um winstead played hera throughout the whole thing especially when she was telling off that one senator because it was just glorious uh, <laughs> no i i didn't know orders i ignored you um <laughs> i just i and then yeah just every single person that they cast and bringing chopper to life which was a dream for anybody who watched rebels who he he who has the highest body count in all of star wars <laughs> yeah he give he's he's a, he's a definitely a different uh, type of asterisk drug compared to yeah. r2d2 but he's and and then he's awesome. and then also <laughs> being able to see the ghost fully in live action not just you know seeing the back of it as it flies you know in rogue one uh above scarif like that was a squealing moment for me just being able to take these elements from the show that became very beloved people, I, 
people initially i was like i don't know if i'm gonna watch this ever but when i finally did i'm like okay i understand why people love it and people grew to love it so much that the pay that there's that payoff too kind of like in kind of like in mando season two when we all freaked out when they showed the inside of slave one as it turned things that we always wanted to see Mm -hmm. and finally got to (laughs) and just it's those those kind of payoffs or having him do the sonic mine again and just being and hearing that amazing sound from episode two that we all just ah it i just it's in our memory sits in our our our, that lovely guitar yeah i mean i also loved you know the space whales in this i loved how they did that as well um all the the teleportation with them going to the you know to light speed and everything that was all very cool as well i thought that was a lot of fun and <laughs> when I said earlier that I think the I think it, you you summed it up great, Taylor. Is that I was a little disappointed with the finale episode and that we didn't have lightsaber against lightsaber fights, but it did leave me wanting more and that no one really died. So I mean, technically, we still have a lot of you know, there's there's that's probably coming, but we got one thing that I don't think any of us knew was coming, and might be one of my favorite things of the whole season was zombie stormtroopers although although chris and... you even though not watching clone wars or rebels um you got have dabbled in this little bit of death when we played uh jedi jedi yes. Fire order so which is the scariest order. thing i see in star wars so <laughs> when you see this for the first time it's like have you ever seen them do it before no this is new it was just great though because typically the stormtroopers they're they're better shots, I guess you could say, in the the new uh, trilogy. But like, they're just you know kind of body count in the way, and to have like that fight scene with the three of them yeah. was so awesome with Ahsoka, Ezra, and Sabine just taking them all out, and then for all of them just to like get up and they're like, ah. I was like, especially with it being Halloween time, I was just digging the zombie element. I was like, this is actually, and that could be something that. Maybe even like one of our bigger bad characters who maybe could take a hit could then be then we could have like zombie Jedi, which would that would be, you know, like what if Balin gets cut, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like and then he has his lightsaber. Who knows? But um, the production value, all these Star Wars shows, the money is on screen. Like everything looks so good. CGI is great. Um I got to give a shout out to Kevin Kiner, who did the music for this, who did the music for most of the Star Wars uh, animated shows. He did Clone Wars and Rebels and Bad Batch. The music in this was really, really strong as well. It gave me the elements that I love of Star Wars. But again, playing with these themes of these characters and the fantasy element, I just love the music as well. And it definitely left off just thinking, okay, well, Thrawn did indeed escape. Thrawn is coming, and we don't know what and how he's going to do what he's going to do. But uh, Ahsoka and Sabine, all of them are left being like, well, we're going to have to find a way to oh, yeah. go he, find Daddy yeah, Thrawn. He's <laughs> out there. Um, so I'm excited to see where they go with Thrawn as this big bad and how all these characters are going to re-team up to take him out eventually. Um, so... Final thoughts and uh, what you grade out of ten, Tim? Um, I would probably put this at about seven and a half, eight out of ten. Um, and just I I thought it was great. Uh, I just wanted to say that 
Lars Mikkelsen as Thrawn was exact was what I wanted and more, and the way that they designed him was fantastic. And see and getting more of the Dathomir Night Sisters in live action, all for it. So excited to see where it goes from here. Taylor. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a solid eight out of ten. Um, like I said, for especially as a fan who's enjoyed uh more of the animated lore and the potential for where this is gonna go. I hope and we get two, even another season, and it, I'm just excited to see that the future is bright under uh Dave Filoni and Joff Favreau and Gilroy, all these people. I'm I'm excited to see what we got coming up next. Yeah, I'm gonna give Ahsoka eight out of ten. I enjoyed this season. Few things I kind of was striving for, but overall the fantasy element really took it up a notch for me. I think the casting was top notch. And again, I love seeing the blend of what has come before with some of those voices stepping right onto screen and getting to do live action and really a great tease and setup for the future of our live action shows set in this time period and getting to that big movie that Dave Filoni is getting to direct. So you can, of course, go back and watch all eight episodes of Ahsoka streaming now only on Disney+. Plus. Thank you once again, Tim, for joining us for our Star Wars episode. Uh, we'll be looking forward to our next big show coming out, Skeleton Crew, starring Jude Law. I believe that's supposed to debut in the winter. Uh, looking forward to that. Apparently, that's that's all teases like Star Wars meets Goonies. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, Ahsoka... Now streaming on Disney Plus, and that was this Should edition I never of say die? Potential Picks. <laughs> and uh, as always, may the force be with you. Thanks for listening to the Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Potential Podcast, or on Twitter at the Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.